church today. My wife's going to take care of that. And so, all right, Genesis this morning, Genesis chapter 41, Genesis chapter 41 today, and um, we're going to be looking here at the beginning of the Bible, story and life of Joseph, Joseph, and seeing a point about his life I want to bring out to you today. In this message here in Genesis chapter 41, and really just in one central location right here in verse number 33, and uh, um, to give you a little background, what has happened here is that Joseph has been in prison uh, for two solid years now, actually probably a little bit longer than that, but nonetheless, he's been in prison for a while, he's been in Egypt for quite some time. Remember, he was carried away captive. His brothers sold him into slavery, and um, and his life is from about the time he's about seventeen to about thirty has just not been the best life. Okay, I mean, your brothers sell you away. Everybody hates you. Uh, you're uh, falsely accused. You're thrown into prison. People forget about you. Um, just life is not grand and glorious for Joseph up until the age he's about thirty years old. And now he's in the presence of Pharaoh, and he's called in to interpret a dream that Pharaoh has had. In fact, two dreams about corn and cows, one that are thin and one that are fat, one that are uh, really sparse and one that have got all the kernels on it. And uh, the ones that are thin eat up the ones that are fat, and the ones that are sparse eat up the ones that are full of kernels and he interprets the dream as this that there's going to be seven years of famine or excuse me seven years of plenty for the country of Egypt and there'll be seven years of famine and we need to store up those seven years of plenty so that you'll have enough to eat in the seven years of famine. So all that being said and done uh, they go through all of this interpretation and Joseph speaks up at the end of the interpretation of the dreams in verse number 33 and he looks at Pharaoh and he says now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of those good years and come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. Let him keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto the servants, Can we find such a one as this, this man, in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and over according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Today I want to just preach a message entitled Improper Expectations. Improper Expectations. You know, all of us have expectations in life. Let us not fool ourselves, we do. All of us expect certain things out of life, and I would say there are some expectations of life that are not improper, of course. Uh, we have expectations in life that we all have, we all think that maybe we should expect to do or expect to have. I don't know that it's an improper expectation to think that I'll wake up tomorrow morning, that we should all be ready to not wake up tomorrow morning, amen. Um, we all have probably an expectation to probably eat something 
later on, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, considering that we've been promoting for the last couple of weeks that we're going to have a meal after service, and so uh, there's probably nothing wrong with expecting that. There are expectations that come along in life that we really, they're just simply improper. They're not right. They're not good. Um, let me just say it like this. Have you ever made a really good suggestion or come up with a really good idea and then somebody else got the credit for it? You are expecting to get the credit. You are expecting to get the accolades and, uh, and then somebody else got the credit. You would say, well, wait a second. Nah, I'm the one that came up with that plan. I came up with that idea. I said it first. But as you read the life of Joseph, I don't find any improper expectations. Even through the trials that he went through, you don't find an improper expectation. In fact, even in this case here, when he has the answer for Egypt, think about that. I mean, he has the answer. He has the Ability to be able to tell them what to do and how to do it. But in his advice, you do not notice one time him saying, I'll be that man. I, let me take the job. I'll be the one that does it. In fact, I can probably guarantee you this, that Joseph probably didn't think about any of those kinds of things. He wasn't applying for the job. He wasn't asking to uh, be considered to be second in power over Egypt. I probably think that the only expectation that Joseph probably had was this, I just want to get out of jail and go home. You know, I just want to leave this place that has caused me so much pain. I'm ready to leave. And no doubt, I mean, you could probably guess that whenever he had this dream and he interpreted this dream that Pharaoh did, that no doubt he probably had it in his mind, I, this is my way out. I can leave. But not one, do you find, not one time do you see him saying anything. One time do you find him at all saying, well, I'll do it for you if you'll let me go. Or I'll do it for you if you will make me second in the command. And not one time do you find him after he gives the thing to say to Pharaoh, now you must do this for me. What expectations do you have in life? Are they unrealistic? Really, sometimes there are some expectations that are just unrealistic, right? Like, when I was in high school, I thought that maybe I could be an NFL superstar. That was an unrealistic expectation, okay? Just look at me, all right? You can just tell right away, you know, I'm not an NFL superstar. I am not that, okay? That's not me at all. You say, well, those guys about your height, about your, 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 yeah, but you know what? One thing they taught me in high school was this. You can't teach speed, okay? You just can't teach it. It doesn't work out. You can't teach speed, okay? I don't have the, I don't have the greatest hands in the world, all right? Or sometimes they're like bricks. And, and I found out that I am not an NFL superstar, okay? I found that out real quick. Uh, there are some expectations in life that are just unrealistic. There are some expectations in life that are just self-absorbed. It's all about me. What can I get? What can I have? What can, I, what, can, what can you do for me? I don't see Joseph doing this. There are some expectations in life that are just selfish. They're focused on me, on what I want out of life. 
But are your expectations godly? Are they righteous? As I said earlier, we can all and we should all be expecting Christ to come. That's a good expectation. It's a righteous expectation. We ought to all have an expectation that as Christians, as believers, that I will be further along in my maturity and my walk with Jesus Christ at the end of 2021 than I was at the end of 2020. That should be an expectation for all of us. We should all be looking ahead and thinking like that. But none of us should be thinking, well, I don't know if I'll be as good as I was last year. No, we should be expecting to grow in our walk and maturity level with Jesus Christ. If Melody, though I don't want Melody to grow up, if Melody doesn't grow next year at all, I'm going to begin to worry. And when I don't grow in my spiritual walk with Jesus, I begin to worry. That's why I want to equip you and say, hey, why don't you try to read the Bible through, read the New Testament through? It will help you. It will help you to grow in Jesus Christ. I want to point out a couple of things this morning, and, and Lord willing, I don't really think this will be too long. It's a very simple message here you know, about improper expectations, is that we ought not to have them. And so how do we recognize those? How can we point those out in our life? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, to avoid improper expectations, may I say this, even when you're right, arrogance is wrong. Okay? Even when you're right, arrogance is wrong. Uh, okay, just imagine for a second we're in the king's court. There are all the wise men, the magicians, all the smartest dudes in all the kingdom, okay? Nobody can interpret the dream. Joseph interprets the dream, and you can almost imagine that some people might be like, <laughs> I did it. You did it. Now look at me. Look what I have done. I mean, I mean, I know you guys say you're smart, but I mean, you're really pretty stupid, okay? Uh, some people would be like that. And understand, though, also that, that he didn't come off as a, in a cocky way or in a way that said, well, I've got the answer for you. I, I'm the one that knows what is right or what is wrong. Understand here that going back to verse number 16 in our uh, story here, look what Joseph actually says to Pharaoh before he interprets the dream. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, when Pharaoh asked him to interpret the dream, he says, it is not of, or excuse me, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. It is not in me. Look at verse number 25. It says, and Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. Now, just take away from that, the takeaway from that is real simple, is it not? That these dreams that, Pharaoh, that Joseph is going to interpret were not of himself, but rather God was going to show him the interpretation. It was God that was going to do this. Everything in our life, from our intellect, from our strength, from our wisdom to our way that we provide for our families, to our bank accounts, to uh, our children, to everything that we possess in life. We owe it all to God. We owe it all to God. There is nothing in life that should be taken for granted. We owe it to 
the Lord. We ought to give Him the praise. Give it back to Him. Give it back to Him. One old farmer said that I feel like I shovel back the blessings to God with a thimble and He gives them back to me by the shovelfuls. But that's how it should be. We ought to give back to God. We ought to praise Him. We ought to worship Him. And I'll say this again. I've said it several times over the last few weeks. And some of you, I believe, are catching on to this. And I appreciate that you've shared this with me. Is that, have you worshipped God today? Did you worship God today? Did you worship the Lord? You say, well, I just say, no, no, no. That's not what I mean. Did you bow your head or get on your knees this morning before you came to church and tell God, thank you. Thank you, God. Did you worship God today? That's how you worship God every single day. By telling Him, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your help. Thank you, God, for who you are. You're the one that interprets things. You're the one that... You are all-wise, omniscient, all-powerful. Did you worship God today? And then I'll say it as I said the last couple of times. If you didn't, repent. Ask God to forgive you and then worship Him. Do you think that God is not going to hold His standard to Himself that He held, that He told us to hold? You know what the standard that He told us to hold? If a man comes to you and offends you seven times in one day and in seven times in one day says, I'm sorry, or says, says forgive me, I repent, then He says to him what? Then forgive him. Do you think that God is not going to hold to His own standard? If seven times in one day you offend God, but seven times in one day you come to God and say, God, I repent, please forgive me, what do you think God is going to do? Say on the seventh or eighth time, go, yeah, you've, you, you know, you've, you've, you've given up. That's too many right there. You're going to have to go to a priest for that one here. You know what I mean? No, he's not going to do that. He's going to say, no, you, you're, you've forgiven. Because God is a gracious and holy and forgiving God. The way you maintain right expectations is refusing to be arrogant when you actually do have a right choice. Relying completely on God to make the right decisions. Proverbs 18.12 says this, Before the destruction of the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Let me read that again. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. What is haughty? We don't say that word a lot anymore. It means lifted up in pride. It means lift it up. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. God says, he resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before, the, before a fall. When we are correct and others are incorrect, we can be very tempted to be lifted up in pride. When we have the right answers and other people don't, Maybe you're the one in the marriage. Maybe you're the, maybe you're the spouse in the marriage that has the golden tongue. I mean, you really, you're the one, you're the person of the family that can, you're the one that has a tongue that can just speak like nobody else. You can say it out. You can, you can, you've got the, you've got the comebacks. I mean, just like that. Boom, 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 boom. You can, and the other side is, is, is kind of struggling for words. You've got to be careful with that, okay? 
If you're the one that can just give it out like this right here, boom, 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 you've got to watch your tongue. Because you're the one that can be often be tempted into being the one that is prideful. Because you've always got the answer. You've always got the answer. You've always got something to say. You're, you're the kid in the family. Uh, I was talking to one dad one time that told me, he said, you know, my son, he knows more than I do. And it seems like a lot of sons before the age of about 21 know all than their parents know. And some, even after that age, they always know more than their parents know. But you're the son, you're the daughter that knows everything. I mean, you know it. You, you know your parents can't answer you fast enough, but you've got an answer right there, right there, right there. Here it is. You better, you better watch your tongue because you're going to be privy and falling into this trap of being arrogant even when you're right. That is how you become one that indulges in improper expectations. When you're right, don't be arrogant. What's another way? The, the other way is this. Understand that only God is right 100% of the time. Okay? I can guarantee you this this morning. I don't make very, merry, very many guarantees when I preach, but I guarantee you this. Not one of us have been right 100% of the time. All right? Not one of us. I can make that guarantee. I don't care if there was a million people in the auditorium this morning. Wouldn't matter to me. I could say that same thing. Not one of us have been right all the time. Listen to Psalms 18.30. Psalms 18.30. Listen to what it says. As for God, his way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. God's perfect. There's nobody else that's been, per been, been like God. He is perfect. Whenever sometimes, has anybody ever heard of the attributes of God? God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at all times. God is uh, omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. Uh, God is merciful. God is kind. God is gracious. God is good. You say, well, I'm those things too. I, I can be good, gracious, kind, and those. Yes, you can. But sometimes people label the attributes, not attributes, but they call them God's perfections. God is perfectly loving, perfectly kind, perfectly gracious, perfectly just, perfectly righteous. You and me, we might have some measure of righteousness and justice and peace and all those kinds of things, but we're not perfect in those things. We're not perfect in those things. Only God is perfect 100% of the time. Maybe you have somebody in your mind right now. Maybe in your mind right now you're thinking that I'm wrong. Maybe you know somebody in your mind right now who thinks they've always got the answers. You're smarter than anybody else. You're smarter than your parents. You're smarter than your pastor. You're smarter than the president. I mean, you're, you're just, you're, just you, you're out there. I mean, they should be, I mean, Harvard and Yale should be calling you, right? And saying, we, we need you to come teach for us. You met people like that. Or maybe that's you. Folks, that's a deadly situation to be in. That's deadly. Because what ends up happening is this, is that when you're in a situation like that and these improper expectations take over, is that everybody else is wrong and you are right. And nobody can advise you. Nobody can try to steer you or direct you or help you. 
And what ends up happening is those improper expectations end up turning into improper actions. Alex gave a great Sunday school lesson this morning when he was dealing and talking about the man Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and Rehoboam had the improper expectation, the improper expectation to want to be, uh, to want to be rich, to want to be famous, to want to really grind out all the money he could out of the people. And so who did he listen to for the advice and counsel? Did he listen to the old, wise, experienced men, or did he listen to the men that were of his same age? He did what a lot of us do. He listened to his peers, and his peers said, tax them harder, tax them greater, get more out of them. And he did so, and in doing so, he split his own kingdom. Now, you might not be in danger of splitting a kingdom, but you might be in danger of splitting a family. You might be in danger of splitting up your marriage. You might be in danger of splitting up your relationship with your mom or your dad, all because you're right and they're wrong. Proud people, I know, have risen before and have accomplished things. But let us not base our knowledge on what has happened in experience or what has happened in other people. Let us base our wisdom and knowledge off of God's holy word go to God why would you run from God why don't you submit yourself to the Lord you know why many times people will not go to God and run to him and submit themselves to God it's sad it's because they don't think they need God's help they don't think they need it the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction Fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, it says in Proverbs 8, 1 through 3. By the way, in the places of the paths she stands. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in of the doors. God is crying out and he says, listen to me, listen to me. I'm here, I've got the answers for you. Thinking you know it all is deadly. And it's potentially deadly to others. And it just flares up and continues those improper expectations. Finally, finally, notice Joseph's speech here. Notice his speech. It says here in verse number 33, going back to our text in Genesis 41, 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land. Now I don't see anywhere here that he says, hey, I'm the one, Right? He doesn't say, hey, if you're looking for somebody discreet and wise, I'm right here. Right here he is. I'm the guy that just told you the dream. I'm the one. Pick me. Pick me. You know, you can always tell somebody that has an improper expectations on life by listening to the way they talk. They say things like this. Well, I just really deserve that. that well they just really they, they just really cheated me out of this 
And I, 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 don't, I don't deserve to be treated like this in this marriage. I don't deserve, I, I don't, you hear a lot of these talk like this. And a lot of it goes back to I, and it goes back to me, and it goes back to, and I'm not saying that we just sit there and take punishment or abuse or a rug or a doormat to somebody. That's not what I'm saying. Don't take me, don't take me wrong there, okay? That's not the kind of Christianity that I'm preaching about here this morning. What I'm preaching about this morning is that we have these improper expectations of what I deserve out of life, what I expected out of life. Maybe you've heard somebody say this, or maybe you've said it like this yourself. Well, I just didn't expect my life to turn out like this. Well, newsflash, nobody ever expects their life to turn out the way that it does. Only one person had the right pro- had had a good and proper expectation and knew exactly how his life would turn out and still had the right and proper attitude through it all and that was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He knew how his life would end. He knew he was the one with the Father and the Spirit before the worlds were ever created that sat down, if you will, and this is the only way my mind can think of it. I don't think that God and the Holy Spirit and the Father sat down at a round table and figured things out, okay? I don't think that's how it worked, but the only way that my mind can think through it is like that is that in ages to, in the ages past, they sat down and figured out how are we going to save mankind, and they said, this is how it's going to be. Jesus is going to die for us, die, die for them all. And he's going to suffer on a cross. And, and he submitted himself to that will of the Father. And he said to the Father there in Gethsemane on that dark night when everybody else had forsaken him, even his own disciples, his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, whenever he took them to the prayer meeting, he said, guys, just pray with me for one hour. One hour, that's all I'm asking for, okay? If somebody asks you to come with them, maybe pray with them, or go with them somewhere for one hour, don't you think any of us could probably say, okay, I can give up an hour, right? I can give up an hour. I mean, I mean, my life is in dire straits. I need you just for one hour. Okay, I think I can handle that, all right? These guys couldn't even pray for one hour. And I don't mean that they couldn't pray for one hour. I mean, they fell asleep in ten minutes. They were gone. They were out. out to his father and says, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with asking God to take something that is traumatic, hurtful, or painful out of your life. Paul did that. expectation in life have to by faith understand and believe the answer might just be might but God never promised no pain God never promised no suffering and there's some churches that will preach you preach to you that try to teach you that teach you that but that's not what Jesus said 
He said, if you come into this world, you will have offenses. You will suffer pain. You will suffer. But he tells you in the midst of suffering, he says, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He says, I'm here to offer you peace. I'm here to offer you comfort. He's given unto us something called the Holy Spirit, which is the comforter. He's there to wrap his loving arms around you and me. He died on the cross for you and for me so that we would not have to suffer an eternity in him. An eternity in him. I'm so thankful for heaven. I'm so thankful for Jesus coming again because, my friend, that is going to be the ultimate deliverance from pain and suffering and sin and death and turmoil. That will be the end. And in that day, we will all be changed that are saved. How can you recognize if you have improper expectations? If you're the one that's always right. If when you are right, you are arrogant. But if when you notice your speech is sharp and harsh, or whenever you notice that your speech is self-absorbed or self-seeking or selfish. Poor Job. I feel sorry for him every time I read about Job, don't you? Old Job, I mean, he had balls all over him. He had to take a pot shear and scrape it off his boils. And I mean, this, I mean, all his family dies except his wife who was just a nag. You know, I mean, it just... <laughs> Just, I mean, life was just terrible. It was horrible, literally. I mean, not, to, not being light on, but it was terrible. But nobody in here is going to read Job 19 or Job 21 and not think that Job had some wrong expectations. 27 times, I think it is in Job 19, he says, I, me, mine. I, me, or mine. 27 times. And finally, he says, if I had a counsel before God, God would basically prove all y'all wrong. And God says, all right, you got a counsel before me. <laughs> and he comes before God, and God gives it to him for two chapters. I mean, he just gives it to him. I mean, he's just laying it out there, telling him, and he is reducing Job's pride down to a bare minimum, but Job still has got a little ounce of pride left. And he says, Lord, I, I, I see that. I see you now. And he says, uh-uh, hush your mouth. He says, I got more to say. And he goes on for another two more chapters talking to Job. And finally, after that, Job has got nothing left. You know how some people say, well, I've lost it all, but I still got my pride. Man, that's a wicked place to be. That's a wicked place to be, man. If you stay, if you've lost it all and still got your pride, you're, 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 there might not be any hope for you. I hope that if you lose it all, that you'll say, you know what? I lost it all and God took my pride too. Because that was probably the reason why God made you lose it all. So your pride would get off of you and you'd, you'd be abased and you would say, God, I'm sorry. I repent in dust and ashes. But if you notice your speech every time that somebody critiques you or challenges you on something that is sharp and it's harsh and you snarl and get all angry and upset or maybe you just get silent and say nothing at all. I don't know what your mode is. People have different ways of being prideful and being 
way they handle things. But Joseph's words were no such thing. He didn't self-promote. He wasn't sharp. He wasn't proud with the magicians for their lack of knowledge. But rather, he just told them to look out a man that was discreet and wise. Colossians 4.6 tells us, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to, know, know how you ought to answer every man. May I say with that, and every woman. How you may have to know how to answer your wife. How you may have to know how to answer your children. How you, may have to, how you might have to know how to answer your husband or your parents. Do you possess graceful speech that heals and adds flavor? Or is your speech filled with improper expectations on how you expect people to treat you? There's no doubt that all of us probably have some improper expectations in life. Improper. And I barely touched on the subject. But may we remember what the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. But the expectation of the wicked shall be cut off. David cries out in Psalm 62, 5, My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. Where's your expectations lying at? Are they lying in you? Your wisdom, your strength, your life, what you expect to get out of life? Or is all your expectations wrapped up in God alone, who is perfect? As for God, His way is perfect. Father, we're thankful.